Yeah, so we justify, thank you. We justify the way we live by this, right? By our tithe concept. Okay, well, I can work any worldly job, and by this job, I'm doing a good work because I am, first of all, I'm being a testimony at my job, right? I'm a good witness at the job, and I pay tithe for you to do evangelism, right? For you to do the work. This is what we think. This is traditional Adventist. This is how we think, right? It's normal. Almost, most of us probably are in that system, right? We think in that. And this hour is to try to show that this, with this concept, where are we going to be in a thousand years? Judging the people from heaven? For sure not. For sure not. Believe me, according to this quote, it's until the lay membership realizes that they have a responsibility that we need to actually get full-time involved in mission work. Every single church member gets full-time involved in mission work that the gospel will be preached unto every nation in this generation, in one generation. Believe me, it's not just 1% of Adventism that will be preaching the gospel when Jesus comes again. Right? What will it be? 100%. At least, according to the quote that we read this morning, it's going to be the largest portion of the church. Right? That's going to be doing this. Actually, everybody else is going to go what? It's going to shake out right of the church. Right? If they don't work with this, with, with this plan. So, we're going to find out tonight, we're going to find out what was God's comprehensive plan for Adventism to involve every single church member to work full-time, full-time. Think about it, okay? This is like, so it's so revolutionary. We have never thought about this, okay? Full-time for mission work. Not just, uh, I'm a good testimony. By the way, you can ask anybody, ask anybody that works in a worldly job, ask them how many people they have converted at their job. Ask them. I, I've, I've been doing this, okay? <laughs> I've been studying these things in, uh, for a little bit. You know, I'm fairly young. Probably. Most of you are actually older than I am, probably. But, but, but I've been studying these things, and it's very impressive because, actually, the concept does not work. It doesn't work. I've had, I've had one or two people that have kind of gotten somebody to come to church with them. Once or twice, you know. One of them actually was baptized, but he's not in the church anymore. So anyway, so, so the concept, the concept, the problem is, I mean, think about your, think about your friends, all, all of your people. Think about your life. Think about it. Think about how many people have you been able to, 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 to lead to the feet of Christ, to be baptized, and to join the church. Through this concept, almost anybody you ask is not effective, okay? It's not effective. And we deceive ourselves by thinking that that is effective. Does that make sense? We deceive ourselves to think that that's effective. And that simply if I give 10% of my money for somebody else to do some evangelism, we'll finish the gospel. It's not going to finish the gospel, right? First of all, it's not only 10% that God wants. How much does God want? 100%, right? 10% is the test of faith. Actually, it means... You, the minimum, the bare minimum that God is going to start with you on is 10%. Right? Start with giving 10%. 
and we'll teach you along the way how to give 100%. Does that make sense? So that's the concept, actually. But anyway, so we have the problem. The system that we have worked in does not work. We are not getting to heaven, right? The church membership, check the Swedish church membership list. Check Norwegian church membership list. See if they've grown or if they've gone down. Check it out. Check whether we are doing our work that we're supposed to be doing or not. If we're not doing it, and, and I did check it, and it's not working, okay? It's not working. The, the concept in which we are living right now. Now, we all blame it on, and I'm not trying to criticize any, any you know, anybody, right? This is, this is our beloved church. Not a problem, but we have, been, we have been accepting the system of the world in our daily lives. And this is, this is the problem, right? The, the devil has been trying to make us not be able to finish the work. And this is what we need to get out of. And hopefully today, tonight, okay? So, so um, this is not working. What is going to work? What is it? that is going to work, what is it that is going to ch make this change so that we can not only be a little bit more successful, you know, like, we, we're, we're struggling to keep the churches alive. Is that our goal, to keep a church alive? No! no. <laughs> That's not our goal. What's our goal? Yeah, to reach the whole world, right? We're, we're trying to reach our little church. How are we going to reach the whole world? With this concept that doesn't even keep us alive, it doesn't work, right? It doesn't work. And this is really important. It's really important to see that this does not work for us to be able to humble ourselves and say, okay, what's the solution, right? How can we do this work, finish this work in this generation, right? All right. We're all on the same page? All right. You ready for this? Okay? Sure. <laughs> I'm getting excited about this, okay? All right. Let's go to the beginning of where it was, it started, okay? Where it started, God had designed this work actually from the beginning of Adventism. We were supposed to finish the gospel shortly after 1844, right? We read it this morning. Shortly after we were supposed to finish the gospel, and we were going to go to heaven. Didn't work. Actually, it was 50,000 people, 50,000 Adventists, right, in 1844. And after, after October 22, you know how many Adventists there were? 50. It went from 50,000, right? That's what happened. It was 50 people. If they had held on to the truth at that time, we would have gone to heaven right there. Now, this didn't happen. God in his mercy tries to get him set up again right to, to get motivated again and do this right in 1888 actually the fourth angel right of Revelation 18 Ellen White says he actually came down in 1888 to reveal the righteousness of Christ have you heard of the crisis in 1888 Minneapolis the general conference okay okay good alright good Bible students amen in, in, that, in that conference, Christ was going to reveal himself, was going to pour out the Holy Spirit. Actually, he came down and he was going to 
start start pouring out the latter rain. But what happened? What happened? Remember? Yeah, they rejected the message of the righteousness of Christ. How we can effectively surrender everything to God and have God live 100% in us. When Jesus lives 100% in us, what happens? The work will be finished in like a year, okay? That's how fast, right? Ellen White says in, in um, Desire of Ages, page 250, there is no limit to the usefulness of one who by putting self aside, self needs to be aside, there's no limit to the usefulness of one who by putting self aside makes room for the working of the Holy Spirit in, in, on our heart and lives a life wholly consecrated to God. What does that mean? That means that there is no limit. Think about it. There's no limit. That means in less than a year, the gospel can go to all of Sweden. If there's just one person in this room that gives their lives wholly to God. Think about this. Okay? One person, not 50, okay? Like in this room. One person, because there's no limit. No limit to what God can do through just one of you. One. Just one. No limit. There's no limit. This is how the quote goes, okay? There's no limit to the usefulness of one who by putting himself aside makes room for the working of the Holy Spirit on his heart and lives a life wholly consecrated to God. This is a key that would have finished the work a long time ago. Right? That was 1888, the crisis, but they rejected it. They had a spirit of criticism. You know, and we like this spirit of criticism in Europe especially, right? I don't know about this. You know? Yeah. Typical, right? We intellectual thinkers, you know. We like to do this whole criticizing thing, right? And we think we're smart about it. And actually, we can, because of this, we can deny the Spirit of God, okay, through this. I don't say we shouldn't be independent thinkers. We need to be thinkers, but not criticizing. All right, anyway. Let's go into history. 1901, after 1888, in 1901, God wanted to do one more time, wanted to actually come down and pour out the latter rain. It was, it was almost going to happen. 1901, in the General Conference in Battle Creek, um, they had two things on their agenda. They had the restructuring of the church, which is where they, where they developed, largely developed the structure that we have now with, you know, conferences and unions and divisions and so forth, right? the world church for mission that was the whole purpose of having a division of having a union of having a conference in, in, in Sweden the whole purpose was to develop mission work as fast as possible that was the first first point second point on the agenda of the general conference was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit they never got to the second point they never got to the second point. In 1901, this was 112, 111, almost 12 years ago. They never got to that point. And you know what? Since 1901, 1910, 1920, 1930, nothing has happened this is a mess okay this is a problem why because we think we're rich we're Laodicea this is normal right it's we all know that that's the that's the condition that's our problem so 
2010, guess what happens? Praise God. The president changes. <laughs> Not so much. I don't want to focus on a, a change of president. I want to focus on the blessings that, that God is using this man, right? Ted Wilson, now to call up a revival and a reformation to take hold of the spirit of prophecy and the Bible and all of the reforms and all of these things and, and move the entire world church into doing mission work. Can you, can you see that? Can you feel that happening? It's amazing. From where I'm working, I mean at Wildwood, it's amazing. It's amazing how many calls I get from all kinds of conferences, all kinds of unions and, and, and churches and so forth to go either to go train all of their pastors. In, we did this in Colombia. We, or we're doing this in three weeks in Colombia. We did it in Guatemala. All the pastors, okay? Amazing. In how to do medical missionary work and how to do health expos and how to do all this stuff, right? And how to finish the work, right? So many, so many institutions. We got over 40 institutions calling us to start schools in their country, in their um, conference or in their union. Mission schools, right? We got over 40 official calls just, just at Wildwood, okay? And, and dozens of lifestyle centers, of sanitariums, of, of health centers and these kind of things, right? In, in, they're starting three, three, um, three lifestyle centers just in Venezuela and we're starting a few in Colombia. I just came back from Colombia just, uh, just a few weeks ago, right? And in, in, uh, in Costa Rica last week, I just, got a, I just got a business, an official business proposal from the Costa Rican conference on, on that they want to start a lifestyle center in Costa Rica, right? They got a property donated with a beautiful lifestyle center on it. They just want to have Wildwood to come over there and manage it for them. I mean, amazing, right? This has never happened in Earth's history. For Adventism. Praise God, right? Praise God. Now, how is the concept, and this is the answer, this, this is the question that we're going to answer today. How has God designed Adventism, every single church member of the Adventist church, to work full time in God's work? Is this possible or not? Yes or no? Is it? Amen. Wow. So we, we don't have to take this class then. We all agree. All right. No, let's do it. Let's do it anyway. <laughs> okay. Let me start out from the beginning. The beginning of the whole vision was in Madison. Madison, God's beautiful farm. There's a book actually at the Madison booth. The, the Matison, not Madison. Matison booth. Here, they have all the books. Many of the books where all of this information is contained, okay? You want to you wanna read those books. Every Adventist should have that book, okay? That one and the others as well that are there. Um, Madison was the first institution that actually developed the whole comprehensive, sustainable, evangelistic concept 
before Adventism. It was the only institution, this was in 1904, okay, 1904, they started this school, and not only a school, but a whole ministry, Edward Sutherland, the father of Adventist education, he's known as the father of Adventist education, denominational and even self-supporting education, and, and this man, under the guidance of, of all the visions that Ellen White had, Ellen White had all the visions to, to develop this comprehensive, sustainable evangelism. That's what, we're, that's what we're calling it. She had all these visions. You know that Ellen White was never a board member of the GC, never a board member of Battle Creek, of Avondale, never a board member of Loma Linda, even though she lived close to these places, the only place that she ever was a board member of, board member means you're really there to make the decisions go right, right? Was at Madison. Madison, okay? Madison, God's beautiful farm. Madison. This place, later known as Madison College, is actually an hour and a half from Wildwood. Wildwood is a satellite project from Madison, okay? That's where it comes from. That's the, that's the, that's the, the mother. Actually, it's the blueprint. It's, it's where everything was designed originally, how to do it. Thank you. Amen. Now, maybe they hear me better now? I don't think we need to start over again. <laughs> All right, let's just do this. All right, is that okay? Don't get you distracted. All right, so Madison started with, in 1904, they started this institution, and God really wanted to develop the system ideally in this institution. It was a self-supporting institution. It was not legally owned by the church, by the conference, legally, right? And also financially, not, um, not dependent on the conference, but they were to work very closely connected with the church, right? It, with, the, with the vision. The goal is not dictatorship in leadership, right? The goal is, is servanthood, right? So, so if you don't, if you can't dominate, it's not a problem. You need to help each other, right? So that's the, that was the idea with Madison. They started the school. They started uh, small with 14 students, and a mission school type of, type of program. And, um, and they started developing the entire organization from, from a, a small school. And you can, you have to, I could tell you the whole story, but you can read it in the book. We don't have time, unfortunately, to do all of that, but a beautiful story, okay? You can read that book in like two days, okay? It's like, it's really, it's very nice to read. It's a very beautiful story. And you can see how God had given all the visions on how to do it, where the place was supposed to be, like what the, where the property was supposed to be, and, and what they were supposed to do, everything how the agriculture was supposed to work as the ABCs of education and, and the whole comprehensive plan, right? They were, they were supposed to develop there. And uh, two years later, Ellen White had a, 
had a vision and said, okay, <clears throat> you guys need to start a sanitarium in connection, right, with the school. And then, uh, and together, obviously connected with all the agriculture and with all the different industries. At some point in time, the, the, the whole place grew to such an extent that they had 37 businesses running at the same time. Run by the students themselves. Training all the students how to become self-supporting. How to become self-supporting missionaries, right? And then she says that this school, this education that they receive there is the most important education that they could receive, that anybody could ever receive. The most important education is to train students to become self-supporting. Self-supporting. That is the concept. Why is self-supporting so important? Yeah, it gives you freedom, right? You can, you, can, you can produce all of your own income and at the same time do evangelism with that, right? Anywhere. So nobody can stop you. Nobody can stop you. You're going full time. Like Paul. You remember Paul? He was, what, what was he? What was his trade? Yeah, he was a tent maker. He was a tent maker. He produced all of his own money to sustain all of the evangelistic efforts that he did. And he also did evangelism through tent making. Through tent making itself, right? That's the, the self-supporting concept, okay? The self-supporting concept that is really important that we're going to develop right now um, as, as, as we speak. So these guys at Madison developed this whole concept. These guys, in 10 years, they started over 50 new projects all over new institutions to, to train more, to train actually all church members to learn how to become self-supporting, self-sustainable evangelism. Because not everybody can live off of the tithe, okay? Not all church members can say, oh, I need a salary from the conference in order for me to also do full-time evangelism, right? Doesn't make sense. There's not enough tithe to be able to support all church members, 17 million church members at this point in time, right? To do evangelism. So we have to find a better model. The better model is, okay, tithe goes to sustain the Levites. Remember yesterday's presentation? Tithe goes to sustain the pastors and everybody else, according to the quote, remember we read it, everybody else was supposed to be what? Self-supporting. That's the key. That's the key. And they were, through this concept, they were to be the symbol, right? They were to be the object lesson of prosperity in the whole world by being self-supporting. That was the concept. Same concept applies for today. What's the concept? Every church member is designed to be self-supporting, actually. Now, what do I mean by self-supporting? Let me explain. We have a class at, uh, in the management course, in the ministry management course at Wildwood. It's, a, it's an advanced course. It's after you've done um, a basic training, uh, a light affiliated of a, any light affiliated school like Matheson in Norway or TGM in Austria or Romania, Hergelia, uh, uh, all the Romanians. Okay, these are all light affiliated schools. They're all Wildwood affiliated schools. 
And so all the graduates from these schools, they could come and take this management course. And in this management course, we have what is called a class, a whole course called business evangelism. Okay? Business evangelism. And this is the secret. Okay? This is the secret. How? How? It works, the whole comprehensive concept. Does, because it doesn't mean, because everybody is supposed to be a full-time missionary, it does not mean that everybody needs to either, like what we traditionally think as missionaries, like out in the boonies working somewhere in the sticks in Papua New Guinea, right, fighting against crocodiles. That's not, that's not the concept, right? It's also not the concept that if you're a missionary or a full-time service, you become a pastor or a Bible worker, Right? That's what we think. That's the only thing that we have in our minds that, that we think exists as a missionary. That's not right. It's actually, there's nothing further from the truth. So what is the, the comprehensive concept? The comprehensive concept is which we developed in business evangelism in this class. And basically it goes through how Every single, almost every single job, every single degree, every single um, um, talent that you have can be used full-time in mission work. So whether you are a farmer, or you are a mechanic, or you are an architect, or you are an engineer, or you are a businessman, or you are a doctor, or you are whatever you are, whatever you are, Except for like a bartender or something like that, right? <laughs> but whatever you are, you are designed to actually use that talent for full-time service. Now, what does this mean? This means that we as a church, okay, as, a, as an entire church, were designed to develop all kinds of businesses... And using those businesses or nonprofits, enterprise, whatever kind of enterprise, but using those enterprises to develop the work of God and not the work of the world. That was the concept, right? So, how do we do that? Let me give you an example. Examples are the most powerful to, to understand the, the, the concept. I have a friend, his name is Evan. He was supposed to come here. Evan Bangbrook, he's our designer actually right now at Wildwood. He's, our, he's our, our director for media. He does a lot of the designs for like GYC and different things. Actually, he's going to Vegana in, in, in up here in Finland, Sweden, Finland. Right? Um, he was, he was going to be here. But anyway, he's a designer, okay? He has his own photography firm, a firm, and also a design firm. Now, both of these companies he used to do any type of business he used to he used to work for warner bros and these guys right bad guys right but he used to design stuff for them like t-shirts and all this stuff right and so and for different other things but when he got converted he realized oh i need to use every talent that i have remember the quote that we read this morning what does it say let every talent be used in the work of God, right? Every single talent. That means all of your time, all of your time, all of your strength, all of any talent that you have. Amazing, right? So we need to definitely redefine this concept, right? So he said, okay, I need to use all of my talents to work for God. Okay, I'm not going to accept any more offers 
from any worldly institution. This is what he said. I'm going to work only for Adventist institutions to develop mission work. So he dedicated his entire life. He said, I don't know how I'm going to survive. Right? He had an apartment and a big car and all this stuff. Right? He's like, I don't know how I'm going to survive with only, only working for, for, for Adventism, right? only to develop mission work. But guess what happened? Suddenly, his agenda was packed full with working for all these institutions, for Glow Track, you know, Glow Track, for, for Review and Herald, and for, for all these institutions, okay? All these GYC and all these ministries that are popping up, and then for us and for Wildwood, Wildwood, we hired him full time now. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> right, that's how it needs to work, right? Um, but 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 he decided, okay, I'm going to use all of my talent. He's not a he's not a he's not a traditional you know missionary, a, a pastor or anything like that. He uses his business to do evangelism, right? What were or or let me tell you another story. This is a, a non-Adventist organization. If you if you've heard of Alaska Air, uh, Alaska Airlines, Alaska Airlines. If you sit into their plane, you're going to have Bible verses on your food. <laughs> okay? These guys, they're Christian. They're not Adventist, unfortunately. But these guys use their airline to do evangelism. These guys do make baptisms, do baptisms and all this stuff through their airline company, okay? You know, you have a captive audience, you know? These guys are there for a few hours. So if you give them a magazine, you give them a Steps of Christ or something, you know? Oh, thank you. Right, and everybody's like, Lord, help me. Steps to Christ. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay? Hey, this, this, it's effective, right? It's, that's an intelligent way to do evangelism. So suddenly, they understand the concept of business evangelism. They use their business and change it into a ministry, right? Amazing. That was actually how Adventism was designed to be, you know? Every, we're supposed to have transportation companies, Buses, I'm, I've, I've thought about this in Honduras. You know, man, you travel these buses and they put all these nasty videos on, 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 these, on these buses and stuff. You know, and you're traveling for four hours from one city to the next city and you're just like, oh, this video, man, is like destroying you, you know? And, and you're just stuck there. Imagine if, if it was, and you know, unfortunately, fortunately, we have actually the biggest transportation companies in Honduras at least, you know, they're Adventists, okay, that own them, but unfortunately, they don't know this vision, right? So they just put any video on there, right? Unfortunately, man, they could, they could, as part of your, as part of your ticket, you know, that you buy, you buy a Steps to Christ, you know, you give everybody Steps to Christ or a ministry feeling or something, you know, and then you put the video, you put forks over knives, you know, have you seen that video? Yeah, right, you know? You put something like that, right? And then you put, you know, documentaries on whatever, right? I mean, you can put intelligent stuff on there 
And everybody's like, oh, wow, nice, health education, right? And depression recovery and this and that. You can put all kinds of stuff up there, right? Man, you can do evangelism through businesses. And that was actually the design that we had. Now, traditionally, what we know as what, what is part of the missionary concept, actually, we only know this for the last two years. This has been written a hundred and something years ago. That the concept was that we were to work the cities, right? We're going to learn tomorrow, or whenever the last hour is, I think it's tomorrow. Um, we're going to learn what the strategic plan was from God on how to finish the work with this comprehensive plan that we're developing right now, right? With working the cities and all this stuff. What we know about city work is that we are supposed to do vegetarian restaurants, right? Have you heard of that? Okay, vegetarian restaurants. And then what else? Huh? Health food stores, right? Health food stores, vegetarian restaurants. And what else? Treatment rooms, okay. Right, clinics. So we know that, okay? We know that. But that's not where it ends. That's not where it ends. That's only the beginning. Now there's a distinction. In business evangelism, there's actually four, four things, four principles that you need to guide, that you need to be guided as when you're implementing this, this system. Four things. First one, it has to be, whatever your business is, whatever you're doing, it has to be a, a benefit to humanity, okay? It has to be a benefit to humanity. It can't be something that destroys you, right? That's why Ellen White says that we're supposed to do vegetarian restaurants, not McDonald's restaurants, right? Because if you eat McDonald's for a month, what happens to you? Yeah, problems, right? We'll leave it at that. So we're supposed to do a vegetarian restaurants because, because it's supposed to be a benefit to humanity. We're supposed to do health food stores, not any store, right? Health food store. It has to be a benefit to humanity. Right? So that's the first one. The second one is that it must have as its main objective to, to proclaim the three angels' messages. That's, that's crucial, okay? That's crucial. This means that ideally, nobody, no Adventist was designed to work in a non-Adventist institution. No Adventist was originally, and this, is, this needs to happen, it's going to happen now, right? Was designed to work in any non-Adventist institution. Why not? Well, because the vision is not to proclaim the three angels' messages, right? If it's not, then you're not using all of your talents, not all of your energy, to proclaim the message, right? So that's crucial. That's very important. Now, this is revolutionary, right? This is the ideal. This is where we're supposed to get. This doesn't mean that you need to now stop your job right today, right? And, and say, Lord, you know, uh, I don't have a job anymore. No, no, no. How do we do it? Intelligent, okay? We, we don't want to be imbalanced, okay? You don't want to be extreme in anything, right? So how do you do it intelligently? Well, you under, we're, what we're doing is we're defining the ideal. We're defining where we need to be, where we need to go. And so, so that we know 
what steps that we need to take towards this ideal, okay? So if you're working a 100% job in some worldly business, don't just quit your job, but maybe you could say, okay, I'm going to maybe work 80%, right? And use 20% for mission work. And slowly but surely, maybe you can, if you're a doctor and you're working in some, some hospital, maybe you can either transfer to an Adventist hospital or you can start your own clinic. Because if you start your own clinic, what can you do? Yeah, you can do what you want, right? You can start, you can suddenly, you can say, okay, let's do some health education, right? <laughs> and you invite all of your people, right? You invite all of your patients and you start doing some presentations. You start doing first, you know, health presentations on this and that and all the stuff, right? And then you start broadening it, right? And you start showing from the Bible how health is important and this and that and so forth, right? It goes, that's, that's how it works, right? So that was actually the ideal. So you need to start doing intelligent steps towards the ideal. This is really important, okay? I don't want anybody going out and going wacko, okay? No, no, no. This is about intelligent, okay? Think, right? How can you put it into, pla- into practice? Step by step, okay? So, so that's really very, very important. If we don't do this, man, Jesus is not going to come back, you know? So we need to start committing our talents, everything, to our mission, right? And, and our, our cities were to be worked with every single church member was to be working in some kind of area. You know, we think of a city mission in Scandinavia. What do we have? How many city missions do we have in Scandinavia? <laughs> what? Vegana, right? Is that, is that, does that, do we consider that as a, as a ministry? I don't know. I think so, right? Hopefully. Well, now they're working on uh, definitely do, making into more ministry, more restaurant and different things, right? We, we, we used to have a restaurant in Oslo, right? Is that right? I think so. Huh? Someone was working there? An Adventist? Non-Adventist? See, what, what, what happened, right? What happened, right? So the idea is, okay, actually, according to the design, every single city and town and even village was supposed to be infiltrated with all of these comprehensive, sustainable evangelism. It means business evangelism. It means restaurants everywhere. It means health food stores everywhere. It means, it means treatment rooms everywhere, orphanages. It means rescue and relief, anything, anything you can imagine to try to help all of these people and to give the three angels messages. You can't preach the three angels messages in a secular hospital. If you're a nurse, if you're a nurse and you're working in a secular hospital, in any hospital, right? You need to shut your mouth, right? Well, I can't believe that we even think that that's okay. That we can still work there if, you, if, they, if they tell you to shut your mouth. Well, have we lost our focus? Yeah, that's why. That's why we think it's fine, right? So if we don't lose our focus, then obviously we will say, oh no, that doesn't make sense. I'm not supposed to do that. I'm not so effective over there, right? So we need to do our own hospitals, right? We need to do our own clinics. We need to do our own everything, right? 
our own architecture firms, right? You're an architect, right? Hey, you know how many city missions we need to build? I can employ you full-time for the rest of your life. You know that? <laughs> yeah, I'm serious, right? We need architects. We need engineers. We need, we need everything, everything you can imagine. Wildwood, we have a, we have a carpentry shop, okay? We have a, 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 an auto mechanic shop. We serve the community, and, and we serve all of our mini- the whole ministry, right? We have about, what, 200 people on campus, right? 80 students, right? And everybody, and, and, and they get trained in all of these things. We have an agricultural program, everything, right? You need to get into things. We have a, a restaurant in the city, in Chattanooga, to do city mission in the, in the city, right? And, and so forth. And many more things, right? That, that, you, that, we need to, that we need to develop, okay? That was actually the comprehensive plan. Now, working the cities is one aspect, and then there's supposed to be an outpost center, right? Outpost centers. The ideal was this. Adventism was ideally not to live in the city, okay? Do we agree with that? It was, we were not designed to live in the city. We were designed to live in the country. Why? Because the city... You're too close to all the temptations and to all the to all the, the the all the sinful influences. Actually, Ellen White says that it's ten times harder to develop a Christ-like character in the city than it is in the in the in the in nature outside. Amazing. Ten times harder in the city? Now. And I'm not saying that developing a Christ-like character is easy even in the country, right? So imagine in the city. <laughs> okay? So the design was actually to live outside of the city, but close to the city, so that we can work in the city. The problem is, we have taken this message of out of the cities, and, you know, some of these little bit more, uh, you know, extreme think- thinking people, right? Ex- ex- extremist thinking. And they've taken it to an extreme so that they go out and they live out in the boonies and they try to be holy over there. And they forget about the people in the city, right? But that's not the point. That's not the purpose. We're supposed to be, yes, outside of the city, but we're supposed to work in the city, right? Because that's where the people are, right? So that was really important. So we were supposed to live outside of the city in nature and so forth because you can hear the voice of God a lot better when you're in nature, right? If you read... Ministry of Healing, chapter 3, I think it's chapter 3 or chapter 4. Right? Communion with God and nature. Right? It's very crucial. Actually, it's, it makes it very hard for us to even hear the voice of God if you're not in nature. This place, Ekebrahorm, is beautiful, right? Man, you can really sense the Spirit of God. You know? It's really important. Why? Because it's calm, it's quiet, you can think. You can think clearly. Right? It's really important. All right. So, we were designed to do that. Now, that doesn't mean that I mean, there's exceptions, right? There's exceptions where people, Ellen White even says, people, some people have had to be called to, work, to live in the cities because they have to work in the cities. And the city is so big that they can't get out. They have to, you know, drive three hours to get out of the, out of the capital city, right? Sao Paulo or something like that, you know? And then drive three hours back. Man, that, that makes you more frustrated than just staying there, you know? So anyway, there's exceptions, okay? It's all, it's all reasonable, Ellen White is always reasonable, please, right? Very, a lot of common sense, a lot of intelligence involved in the whole thing. So you need to understand these principles from an intelligent point of view, okay? Very important. 
All right, so out of the cities. Now, outside of the cities was to be all of our educational programs. All of our educational institutions was to be outside of the city. Um, from primary school up to university. Actually, we were designed to have schools outside of every single city of the world. Did you know that? Every single city in, in Sweden. We have how many schools here? One. Praise the Lord, we have one, right? I know some countries, they don't have any, you know? So one is already a start, <laughs> praise the Lord. But how many cities are there in all of Sweden? Hundreds. Small cities. Towns. Right? Battle Creek was a, a city where had 2,000 members, 2,000 members. <laughs> okay. And they had, a, they had the whole program, right? So, so, yeah, we were supposed to develop this whole concept all over, all over. This would employ all of Adventism. But, you know, we're so caught up in reality in what, where, what we just see that we don't, we don't see where we're supposed to be going. So because we've lost that focus, that's why we're just stuck in, you know, oh, I guess I need to work in some world of business, you know. Oh, well, you know, I'll just be, try to be a good testimony there. You know. It doesn't work anymore, man. It doesn't work if we're going to try to finish the work, right? If we're going to try to finish the work, we need to embrace this concept. Let me read you um, just a few, a few quotes to kind of support this. Actually, um, I think I have some enough business cards here, a few business cards here. If you want the presentation or the, the knowledge, all the content, um, I actually had to do a thesis when I was studying theology at Bogenhofen. I did my, my thesis on, on this whole comprehensive sustainable evangelism concept. Right? So you can, you can uh, I'm glad to share it with you. I'm glad to send it to you if you want it. Um, let me read you just a few, a few quotes, okay? Uh, here. Um, Christian Living, page 31. Repeatedly... The Lord has instructed us that we are to work the cities from outpost centers, right? Okay, clear. We are to work the cities, we are to do city missions from where? Outpost centers. So we, are to have, we should have outpost centers and we need to have city missions, right? All right. In these cities, we are to have houses of worship, memorials for God, but institutions for the publication of our literature for the healing of the sick and for the training of workers are to be established outside of the cities. Especially it is important that our youth be shielded from the temptations of city life. Oh, wow. All right. So this is a quote to explain the whole outposts, the outposts, what they're supposed to have. All of our universities, by the way, right, that's why Adventist, all, almost all of our Adventist universities all of our Adventist schools, they are actually, originally, they started all out, out in the country because of this, right? Because of, because of Ellen White. All right. Okay, let me read you another one for the cities. Testimonies, volume 7, page 122. Testimonies, volume 7 is actually 
has a big section on medical missionary work, and you'll find many of these quotes in there as well. I've been instructed that one of the principal reasons why hygienic restaurants or vegetarian restaurants and treatment rooms should be established in the centers of large cities is that this means, by this means, the attention of leading men will be called to the third angel's message. Wow. Noticing that these restaurants are conducted in a way altogether different from the way in which ordinary restaurants are conducted, men of intelligence, of intelligence, will begin to inquire into the reasons of, uh, for the difference in business methods and will investigate the principles that lead us to serve superior food. <laughs> just through food, okay? This is just talking about restaurants. Thus they will be led to a knowledge of the message for this time. And so forth. There's tons and tons of schools, uh, tons and tons of quotes that can, that, can, that can tell you about these things. Let me read you another one um, concerning training schools. Training schools. Testimonies, volume 7, page 170. Testi oh, excuse me. Testimonies, volume 9, page 170, says... Says the Lord calls upon our young people to enter our schools to quickly fit themselves for service. What kind of service? God's service, right? Service for God. In various places, it continues, in various places outside of cities, schools are to be established where our youth can get can quickly get trained. In two things, it says, in evangelistic work, and one more thing, and medical missionary work, right? Two things. All of our youth, God calls upon our young people, all of our young people, to quickly fit themselves for service. In what lines? Two lines. What? Evangelistic work and medical missionary work. Have you gone to a school yet? Some have, praise the Lord, amen. But many haven't, right? Everybody, actually, every young person is called to go to a medical missionary school where they train you to do Bible work and to do medical missionary work, right? Very important. If you have one, you need the other. You really need the other, right? Everybody that has done both can testify to that, right? So this is really important. Actually, Testimonies, Volume 9, page 52, is another quote. Excuse me, Testimonies, Volume 7. I, can please, I always mix these up. Testimonies, Volume 7, page 62. 62. I mixed the numbers up. <coughs> Testimonies, Volume 7, page 62, says, We have come to a time when every member of the church should take hold of what? Medical missionary work. All right. That's as clear as you can get. Okay. You can't get any clearer than that. All right. So we have come to a time where every single member of the church should take hold of medical missionary work. All right. I have hundreds of quotes here that I could read to you. I'm going to read you one more quote. Um that um, that shows the comprehensiveness 
of city evangelism. Oh man, where was it? Here. This is from New York, uh, excuse me, from San Francisco, okay? San Francisco, they actually did a city mission like this, okay? They actually did a whole program. They involved all the church members to do this. Read, count how many things they're doing in, 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 uh, in San Francisco. Let me read this to you. The title is A Beehive. Let me read this. During the past few years, the beehive in San Francisco has been indeed a very busy one. Very busy. A beehive is like all these bees. Right? You know, what, you know how that works? Yeah, lots of work. All the church members, <laughs> they're working, right? They're not doing worldly stuff. They're working in God's work. All right. Many lines of Christian effort have been carried forward by our brethren and sisters there. These included, all right, count. These included visiting the sick and the destitute, finding homes for orphans, and work for the unemployed, nursing the sick, and treating and teaching the truth from house to house, okay? The distribution of literature, call porter work, is part of city work. And the conducting of classes on healthful living and the care of the sick. All right. A school for the children has been conducted in the basement of the Laguna Street meeting house. For a time, a working men's home and medical mission was maintained. Wow. A, a medical mission and a, workmen's, a working men's home was maintained. On Market Street, near the city hall, there were treatment rooms operated as a branch of the St. Helena Sanitarium. In this same locality was a health food store. Nice. Near the city center, not far from the call building, was conducted a vegetarian cafe, which was open six days of the week and entirely closed on the Sabbath. Amen. Along the waterfront, and this is, look, this is how it works. This worked for that city, right? But you need to think what works for your city. Not everything applies to every city, right? So you need to think what works best. These guys invented stuff all the time on how they can get better into all these peoples. They even developed here. Look, look read this, read this, read this. Along the waterfront, ship mission work was carried on. Amen. Ship mission work, okay? I mean, these guys came up with all kinds of ideas. Anything, okay? Transportation companies. That's ship mission work, right? Bus companies. You may name it, right? Design firm or whatever, right? At various times, our ministers conducted meetings in large halls in the city. Thus, the warning message was given by many, right? Amazing, right? That's how these guys were doing mission work. All, these, all the church members working full-time in all these things, and all the, all the church, all the converts, what, are the, what happens to the converts? Well, you send them to church, right? So you send them to the church. There, the church sits down with the pastor. The pastor motivates everybody on Sabbath, right, from all these ministries. And he trains the new converts what to do. What did the new converts do? What do they do? 
Yeah, they have to learn how to win souls. Actually, they, the, the pastor was designed, this was the pastor's work, was designed to get every new church member and teach him all of these things, right? And show him, okay, actually, look, the ideal concept is you need to live outside of the city, somewhere, right? And what are your talents? What, what do you do? Oh, you're a teacher? Oh, excellent. Look, I have, we have like 10 schools here, right? And you, what are you, an elementary school teacher? Okay, we can put you right here. Amen. All right. You can be incorporated full-time missionary in one of our schools, one of our institutions. Does that make sense? That was the program. Let me finish. I'll finish with this quote. There's a quote on the purpose of all our churches. Listen to this. Okay, here. That the purpose of, of churches. This is in medical ministry, page 315. We'll end with this quote. This is the explicit purpose of your church, your home church, everybody's church. This is the purpose and we'll see that it works exactly in with what we've been studying right now. Upon all who believe, God has placed a burden. Oh, excuse me. This is Medical Ministry, page 315. Did I say that? Yeah. All right. Upon all who believe, God has placed the burden of raising up churches for the express purpose of educating men and women to use their entrusted capabilities for the benefit of the world, of humanity, right? You understand what it's talking about? Using your capabilities for mission work. Let me, let me continue this quote. Employing their means, he has lent for his glory, not for your glory, for God's glory, right? All right. He has made human beings his stewards. Gladly and generously, they are to use their means in their possession. Your means, all of your money and all of your, everything you have, right? All of your, all of your means um, in, that they have in their possession for the advancement of righteousness and truth. They are to employ his entrusted talents in building up his work and enlarging his kingdom. This is the express purpose of every church. Okay? To train every single church member to use all of their capabilities, to use all of their means to advance truth, to advance, it says, to enlarge the kingdom of God. Amazing, right? This is amazing. I can't believe it. I can't believe that this is written. <laughs> like, have we never read it? Amazing. Amazing. So, this, with these other quotes that we've had, right? You remember them, right? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit cannot happen, cannot come, until when? Until the largest portion of the church are co-laborers with God, right? And... The other one says, let every talent be employed in the work of God, right? You know all these quotes. And there's many more that, that are on the, 
on this document, but we're going to finish now. But this is the concept. This is the whole plan, okay? How every single church member was actually designed to work full-time in mission work. If we do this plan, if we reach the cities like this, and we're going to study tomorrow how we were designed to work all the cities in the world in one generation. It's amazing. It's a strategic plan. God has already designed it. We just need to implement it. We just need to implement it. Read it and do it, right? And, and develop training centers that can train everybody to do this. You know, all of our schools, that's what they're supposed to do. <clears throat> that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to train people to do mission work, not, not to be a, a good worldly person that, has, that can gain a lot of money and be representative in the world, you know? No. No. To train missionaries. That was the plan, right? And you have been trained, I've been trained, we've all been trained in the world's concept of life, you know, in the world system on how to incorporate Babylon with our lives, right? Babylon with uh, Christianity. Oh, I have a Christian face, I go to church on Sabbath, I give tithe, and then I work all of my time, like 90% of our time, we work to, to advance Babylon. And we think it's fine. <laughs> it's amazing. It's simply amazing. All right. That's what we need to learn. We need to learn how to get out of Babylon. Right? Come out of her, my people. Let's do it right. Finish this work and go home. Let's go home. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be an old man. I'm telling you. Let's finish this work. Amen? Amen. Let's finish this work and go home. You know, I really, I really desire. We, we need to have a desire to get to heaven. You know? A desire to go see Jesus. You know? Man, this is our desire. This is, what, this, is what, this is what the Lord wants. This is what we should want, you know? And every single thing that we do every day should be designed to... Remember? That's where we need to be. That's where we need to be, okay? So let's pray. Let's pray that God can, can, can really show us what we need to do. You know, everybody has their own jobs and, and, and studies, and I understand, you know? I, I, I also... Uh, I've been in this whole thing, you know. I'm, <laughs> I'm still trying as well, you know, trying to implement all these things. So, but we need to figure out how we can make this shift so that we can finish this work and not waste our lives and waste our time in doing worldly enterprises. Really, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense anymore. It's too late in Earth's history to, to, to waste our times in this stuff. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, you have given us a burden, Lord, to finish this work and Lord, we're not here to waste our times any longer. Lord, we have done this for 160-something years, and we're sick of it, Lord. We're tired of this. And Lord, we thank you that you have shown us everything that we need on how to do effective, intelligent evangelism. Lord, that it is even sustainable. It actually is so sustainable that it will be that we would become the most prosperous nation in the world, Lord. Lord, thank you so much, and sorry for not having embraced it for so long. But Lord, we want to humble ourselves now, and we want to repent of our old ways, and we want to, we want to um, commit our lives to, to this plan, Lord, to finishing this work and, and, uh, and using every talent that you have given to us and every energy that you have given to us, and all the resources, and all the means that you have given to us, 
to finish this work, to advance your work. Lord, may whatever it is, if we're an architect or if we're an engineer or if we're a teacher or if we're whatever it is, Lord, that you might use us full time to finish this work, working the cities as you would have us to, Lord. Thank you so much because it is only by your grace that we are able to do this, Lord. We cannot do it, not even one, not by our might nor by our power, but only by your spirit. And Lord, we pray for that spirit, that that spirit might be poured out in our lives, that we have such a desire to win souls, such a burden for souls that we cannot sleep until we make a change. Lord, that is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.